Hey guys, thanks for joining us on episode four of Just a Chat With. We're here today with Simon Coley. Uh, we're down in London and we are um, at Karma Cola headquarters. Um, so Simon is a designer, a creative and marketeer and the founder of Karma Cola. Um, they've been named the world's most ethical companies by the Ethosphere Institute for two years in a row and they've been awarded um, the world's fairest trader by Fairtrade Foundation. Um, before that, Simon co-founded the online power company PowerShop um, as well as Good Organics which has won several awards and was the first to bring Fairtrade bananas to New Zealand. Mm. Is that correct? Yeah, big milestone. <laughs> So, Simon, thanks for having us today. Um, we've been big fans of the Karma Cola brand. I've often used it as a great example of branding and great branding that has a purpose behind it. Great. So, Thank you. Um, how the hell did you get into making a cola brand? Good question. Um, the, the mythology is that Chris and I'm a co-founder. There's three of us that okay. started this. Chris Morrison and Matt Morrison, his half-brother. Uh, we all sort of reached that stage where we we're kind of questioning what we do next. Chris had started a really uh, very fantastic organic drinks brand called Phoenix Organics in New Zealand. Matt had worked for the Treasury and had been in the Army. And uh, I had was kind of recovering from a career in advertising. So I'd worked for a bunch of places in New Zealand, having returned from living here. Uh, Matt, uh, Chris, and we'd been talking about stuff you know we were at a climate I was working on the power shops thing you mentioned before yeah. we were both at this convention for climate change and this was probably 10 years ago now yeah. thinking about how we as people in the business uh, would deal with these issues and you know we were sharing a room and started talking about things like you know what Chris had been recently doing which was surfing in Samoa mm -hmm. um, he was saying there's all this great organic produce there and it's not getting to market. It used to, a big chunk of the GDP in Samoa came from selling bananas to places like New Zealand, yeah. but that wasn't happening anymore. And he saw this opportunity and I thought, well, that sounds great. Like if we're going to try and, you know, make a positive impact on things in general, and, you know, we're going to use our skills to do that, selling organic bananas from Samoa to New Zealanders could be one of those mm -hmm. ideas. And you know, I kind of thought it's not going to be too hard selling stuff from your neighbours, <laughs> you know. And we knew, I knew a bit about bananas because I worked on some campaigns when I lived in the UK, yeah. formerly, uh, for Fair Trade and for, for the Windward Isles. So, And had you been a designer originally? Yeah, I'd been yeah. working as a kind of, uh, with Greenpeace too, uh, doing campaigns for them. Like, yeah. you know, and one of, this, one of these things was trying to get the Windward Isles... Um, they have a, had a sweet deal with the UK to be selling bananas here, um, and it was being reversed. And it was, a, you know, we were trying to say you got to keep this because there are so many families there that rely on this income, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to actually what they would have been doing is growing marijuana instead. And although that might be good for some people, <laughs> it changes the the, the economics yeah, of the business. Um, probably change now, but and that you know that was the economy that supported the islanders. So, yeah, it's a bit of a diversion, but we started importing bananas from, from Samoa and it turned out that we didn't know as much as we thought we knew about perishable fruit, that we had to discard a whole lot of them, that, you know, we had all these challenges. And, but the, the great thing was we kind of realised there was a market for products that people understood came from a good place, did good things. Yeah. We called them all good, good for the land, good for the growers, good for the consumer. 
and we started this kind of virtuous circle. Yeah. Now, we couldn't get the stock we needed from the islands to really fulfil the business. So we looked further, we worked with Fair Trade, and we found uh, a co- growing cooperative in Ecuador who were fantastic and had been doing it for a long time, and we started working with them. And now we sell maybe four containers of bananas in free fair trade organic bananas in New Zealand every week. So that gave so us the confidence. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, still it's going and it's, yeah. it's going really well okay. and people know that brand back there and it's, yep. you know, it's one of those things that we, we had to do from the ground up, you know, selling to supermarkets, learning how to engage people both commercially and mm-hmm. as consumers of these products and figuring out, you know, what it takes to, to, to build a brand and deliver that kind of promise. It did give us confidence that we could probably take that further. And I must admit, perishable goods is not is a very volatile business. So we were looking yeah. for something that would last longer than seven or eight days. Yeah. So how did you get from bananas to cork well, then? Well, because <laughs> Chris, that's the thing. Manage. That's the jump. We needed yeah. something. Well, it wasn't the only reason. But yeah. Chris had, or Phoenix, made some really good drinks. And one of them was a cola. And I remember because I'd worked for a a booze brand in New Zealand called mm-hmm. 42 Below. And, you know, we'd mix with this stuff. And it was always made great drinks so we thought well why don't we do drinks you know we've got the skills and we need to think about provenance and what goes into them and in the with the all good idea we've been thinking about how do we explain that relationship between producers and consumers and the idea of karma came out of that thinking you know if you if you kind of have some understanding of that you know, you give what you get, what goes around comes around, then if we show consumers and producers are in this together rather than separated by all these intermediaries in the supply chain, then that might drive the commerce and the the kind of brand. So Karma seemed like a good prefix for the products we could do. So we were thinking of Karma Bananas because that kind of rhymed. Um, (laughs) Karma karma Cocoa. Yeah. Karma Coconuts. (laughs) You know, things you could get from Samoa. Karma Coffee. And then we kind of we thought, well, you know, Karma Cola. I mean, there is a book called mm. Karma Cola. There was a, some history. Apparently, Ravi Shankar was yeah, called Karma Cola yeah, because cool. he was this mm-hmm. this diametrically opposed East and West. You know that, that there was this tension in what he did. You know, playing the sedale with the Beatles kind of thing. So there was a, there was I didn't know this at the time, but there was this kind of interesting juxtaposition in the words. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, you know, where's cola come from? Because it, it's got to be a thing, right? Yeah. It's like it's in a brand name. It's the most popular word after OK, I think, in English no, that, in the world. That could have put a lot of people off, right? The yeah. Coca-Cola is the, you know, the biggest brand. Oh, in the world. yeah, and, and it still does. Scared to <laughs> yeah, go yeah, away. no, it, was, it wasn't a smart who, idea. Who would we pick to go up against? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's, there's something Well, Bananas had given us some confidence. Like, you know, <laughs> some of the biggest companies in the world are fruit companies. Really? So we'd already made that mistake <laughs> before, and we are about to do it again. Yeah. So we, we kind of went, well... You know, that idea really captures it. If you can go, there would, you know, something that really isn't that karmic, you know, who needs it? Yeah. Who needs a soft drink? Really, you know, if you're thirsty, water's great. But can you make the, because so much of this stuff's drunk. So the other staggering um, statistic that we came across was that there are almost 2 billion cola branded drinks consumed every day in the world. It's like, you know, Who's drinking this stuff? It's a big... <laughs> and, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, well, that's a, like a huge phenomenon in popular culture. And yeah. we know that because we've been seeing this stuff. There's like another statistic. There's four billion 
dollar budget on marketing annually for a certain brand of coal. You know, that's yeah. you, it's there, right? It's and it's sort of imprinted on your taste buds too because you, it's so prevalent. So you think with that there. How do you be the opposite? How do you be the choice for people that aren't into that but are into something that has this deeper relationship with producers and yep. environment and things that we're trying to do? So you think, well, actually, that defines us. You go, you know, if, if we can be a better choice, then we've got a product and a story, and we know that we're never going to be able to afford to spend that $4 billion, so we need a pretty good story. Yeah. And the story, came, and the story, there's a lot of serendipity in this. So we, you know, we met each other, we'd got to this point, we'd kind of, these things, that like they do, things had happened. <laughs> and along that journey, we'd, we'd had this great relationship with the Fair Trade Foundation, a woman called Harriet Lamb, who was then the, 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 the chief executive of Fair Trade, came out to New Zealand to talk about bananas and her experience, because she's written a book called Fighting the Banana Wars. She's an incredible person who really made a big difference to a lot of lives by championing yeah. a fair trade product in bananas. And... Uh, we were talking with her because she was out visiting us in New Zealand and talking about this coal idea. And she said, you know, I know someone that might be able to help. You've got to meet Albert Tucker, this guy. He's from Sierra Leone. That's where coal comes from. Said, okay, great. So we get on, I think over the internet we meet Albert and we have a few conversations about can we get some coal and... Yeah, you know, it's, it's never been asked a question like this before. It's There's a domestic market for this. It's a very well-used sort of ritual um, ingredient, you know, food for welcoming people yeah. and for it's a medicine. And But it's only ever traded amongst villages in, in the sub-Saharan Africa. So kind of, you can get it here, you can get it at Brixton Market. But, yeah. you know, there's, there's like a box of it that big and you've got to go in behind the shelves to find it and, you know it's like it's not a traded commodity and did, did you did you figure out how you're going to turn this into cola drink or yeah so like, so we that's, went, that's where my brain i know and we're going where do you get from there so we go albert can you get us some and by the way if you get it from a village mm-hmm. if we're going to call this thing karma we're going to need to be able to find an you know a group that we can support yeah we know you know as soon as you mentioned sierra leone Blood diamonds, you know, child soldiers, Ebola. There's a, you know, it's not the sort of place that you naturally trade with. Yeah. But it is in need of help. <laughs> there are people there that can get this ingredient. We thought, well, you know, there's no such thing as a fair trade cola nut, cola seed, but maybe we could set up something. So that was Albert went out and looked and found this great group of ten now villages in the Gola rainforest on the edge of the rainforest who could harvest coal, and they sent us a five-kilogram bag yeah. that fortuitously made it through customs and into you know, our office in New Zealand. Yeah. And we started playing with it. Yeah. And you know, this is where Chris's skill comes in, being able to turn cola into cola, because yeah. <laughs> it is a taste. Um, how, I how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll bring some out in a minute. But um, you basically have to mash it up, you know, and... And, and make a tincture of, of this incredibly bitter liquid. Yeah. It's quite brown and muddy and, and, and strong. It's yeah. very strong. We'll taste some. Yeah. Um, and uh, then you kind of don't use too much of it. <laughs> and you add a whole lot of other ingredients okay. to disguise the bitterness. I mean, it's so bitter. It yeah. takes the moisture out of your mouth. <laughs> but if you put it with citrus oil, we have lime and orange and lemon. We have malt. 
uh, malt barley, malted barley as a vinegar, which which gives it its colour. We don't use things like burnt sugar, to which a lot of products use to colour that dark colour. We use organic products, uh, organic ingredients, and it's got coriander seeds, it's got vanilla in it, it's got nutmeg, it's got cinnamon. There's a big spicy notes in it, and that's how we mm. tried to recreate, you know, what we thought the original cola recipe would be with all the legal ingredients, and we got. You know, we got close. We got, it's not exactly the same, but the, the, the moment I thought, well, actually, this scene, you know, it's good, yeah. was, uh, was actually here when we launched here. We were at the London Coffee Festival five years ago, and we were, Albert and I were there on the stand with Sam, who's our sales, head of sales, and Plum, who's been doing our comms and marketing, and just watching people come, come and go. And they'd, <clears throat> they'd come up to the stand, they see this, they look at the bottle and say, oh, that looks interesting. Now, remember, they've had six cups of coffee, mm-hmm. so they want to have a conversation, and they want something that's not coffee. Mm-hmm. So they look at it and go, oh, what is it? Cola? Oh, cola. Can I, you know, taste it? The next thing, they give them a sample, and they drink it, and they go, it tastes like cola, which is the best response you can get. <laughs> you know? Like, everyone knows what that tastes like. <laughs> You're going to have an expectation. You've got to meet that expectation yeah. or be better. And is that what you were trying as well? Were you, you, were you constantly tasting against the kind of... Yeah, yeah, flavors, hundreds of times. to figure out to make sure... Yeah, and it's also, there's a, so some things about a cola flavour, like, you know, you don't want it to be too sweet because it gets cloying. So, you, you know, I mean, this is the genius of, of Coke, right? Mm-hmm. You drink a sip of, of cola... And it's sweet, and it hits the front of you, and it's got it's effervescent, so it's quite refreshing. And then it goes a little bit acerbic before you finish the swallow, mm-hmm. so that that's so that the sugar's not so cloying, so you can have the next drink. It mm-hmm. makes you, it almost makes you thirsty for the next yeah, one, yeah, and that's yeah. the way that kind of thing works. So, mm-hmm. you know, they use phosphoric acid to do that. We yeah. use lemon juice. So we're trying to kind of find a way of balancing this stuff out with good organic ingredients. Then we where we know. You know, the impact we've had from purchasing them and using them. And that's where we got to. But these people would drink and go, oh, cola, great. And then they'd see this video of Albert in Sierra Leone and look at the pictures a bit more and go, so what's all that about? And then we'd show them a cola nut. And they go, oh, it's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, this is where it comes from. And that was when the, 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 the cola nut dropped. You know, people go, oh, so that's what you're doing. That's why it's karma. And that's, and that, you know, that's our story. We've got a, the trouble is, Fitting that on a bottle, it's quite tricky. Yeah. So calm is good shorthand for it. And now our challenge is to make that work on all the other products we do. Yeah. And, yeah. and talk us through that kind of identity, like how, you know, what was, what was your thinking behind how you created this and kind of the visual aspect of the brand? Kind of. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I cut to bringing out a little sculpture? Yeah, no, yeah. go for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go should go I go and get it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I thought you'd introduce you to this woman, <laughs> Mami Wata, her name is. And... In the villages we work with in um, Sierra Leone, there's this mythology around this character and that because the principal village, Boma, is on the edge of a river, the, the river is really important in the local mythology and culture. And Mummy Water, as you can see, is a mermaid. So she, and this is prevalent through West Africa is this idea of a kind of feminine water spirit. And we, we learned this. In fact, Beck, who helped us drew these things, was researching because we were kind of we were thinking, you know, karma. How do we make this thing work? Mm-hmm. We've got to um, uh, hang on, just throw it. <laughs> Thanks, Benny. So that's a colon nut. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get around to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, we we've been trying to figure out how to turn 
this into something yeah. that really caught people's attention. Mm-hmm. And we looked at lots of different kind of design routes to go. We try to be a bit bohemian. We try to make it a bit hippie. We try to be sort of modernist and just make it really simple. But one of the things that came through were two images I saw that Special, who helped us do this, had done really well. One of them was uh, seeing a little engraving of a snake eating its tail with what goes around comes around on it. It was kind of quite rock and roll. Maybe a bit too gothic for what we wanted, but it was kind of an interesting idea that what goes around comes around is great. And the other one is a little Mexican retablo of an angel chasing a devil that would just look like, you know, that idea of good and bad yeah. was kind of inherent almost in the product, you know. It's a good version of this thing that's got sugar in it. It's kind of, mm-hmm. you, it's okay to have this one, but, you know, you know what's in it. It's sort of always that juxtaposition and that what we talked about before, the idea of karma being good and bad is quite good. So... Beck took that away and then we're doing, she was doing this research around the mythology of the place and Mummy Water was this spirit that was present in the culture. And I go, wow, that's amazing. You know, there is actually this, because she's a good and bad spirit. You know, if, you're, if you behave well, she'll give you a reward. You know, she'll help you find a partner or... You know, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, she'll, and she'll help the, you know, the harvest and all those things. But if you're not... She'll also, and this, this rivers are like that, right? They bring water, they help the harvest, but they also, you know, they can be very dangerous, especially in the rainy season there when it breaks the banks and can take your life. So the idea of making Mummy Water the story felt right. Mm-hmm. So Beck kept drawing, and the angel and the devil became the two parts of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, when we first got to the village, we were talking to the chief there, and the chief is a woman, a woman called Cardi Bo, who's very impressive. And she said, you know that um, seven chiefs ago, <laughs> Mummy Water visited the then chief in his sleep and said, you've got to make sure all the future chiefs are women. Otherwise, there'll be trouble. And since then, they have been. So it felt like we'd made the right choice. <laughs> And, and in terms of picking the colours, were you, were you kind of trying to play with the whole, obviously? Well, you know, it was cola Heath and, and, and Emma who were working on that, we were kind of going, cola's red, right? It's like, if, you, if it's not red, it doesn't feel like it's cola. Mm-hmm. There's a thing in our consciousness around that. Mm-hmm. But we can't just be that. And then the blue is a nice, you know, it's the water. It's also playing with a trope, you know, that there are other brands that use those two colours in a... And we kind of think, well, let's just play with it. I mean, if, the, if there are some things that are different and some things that are the same, it's like a cover song. You know, people will get into it because there are some of these cues that, uh, that, that are familiar and that give you access to the rest of the story somehow, or visually, yeah. So they were conscious, and, you know, we'd tweak with them to make them work. You know. in, in the early days, what were the biggest challenges Starting up, uh, sales always. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, you know, the first one is hey, we've got this product. Where do we sell it? You know, how's gonna? How are we really going to engage with people when we can't? If you like, we can't immediately be available to everyone. So, just finding like-minded businesses in the hospitality industry, like cafes and restaurants, who you know care about the provenance of their ingredients care about what we care about, those sorts of partnerships have been invaluable and we still have some very strong, well, most if not all of our, our relationships in, in a, with, our, with our trade partners are like that. So that's key that we, you know, 
they're going to have they're going to pay a little bit more for it and have to charge people a little bit more for it. So if, if they don't believe in what we're trying to achieve through it, it's really going to be hard to make that sale. So you know, just knocking on doors and and you know being genuine about what we're doing and helping them understand the impact they're having. It's been the the way of overcoming that challenge. Yeah. Have you found that being kind of like a purpose-driven brand has built a lot more loyalty with those I think so I mean partners. I think you know there are some Honest Burgers are a really good example that have been out to Sierra Leone with us that are, are very committed to what we're doing and want to be involved more in our foundation so that's a good example of the depth we have with a relationship because they've shared in the in the impact and, and they see that benefit and want their staff to participate in that so those things are, are you know a really important part of what we do and it, if you could look into a couple of years into the future, mm. what was the ideal thing that happens with this Karma brand? What, you know, what was the vision that you're working towards? The first one is that we understand that there are, we've got a range of products that we're trying to bring in under the umbrella. So what we've got one very. Okay. So we've got we've got. Uh, let me start over here. So the second one after Karma Cola was ginger ale, ginger I'm not ale. This. I need to try this. Somewhere. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that'll go go well with some of your whiskey, Andrew. Um, and then the next one that came along. What we learnt when we were doing this is that if we we tried to do it, make it look the same as, yeah. and it didn't really work. <laughs> but when. Um, when Raha, who was helping us, came up with his name, mm-hmm. he thought, oh, ginger ale, that's such a great name <laughs> for a ginger ale. Mm-hmm. So she sort of yeah. emerged from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had sort of learnt that if that difference is kind of good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that they have this strong personality as products, then we could maybe make a thing of that. So mm-hmm. the next one, a lemonade, just became a lucky lemon. Mm-hmm. Organic Sicilian lemons. Um, and, you know, we thought, Lemons aren't really known for their luck, so we'll try and you know make it lucky. Um, and since then, we've done a sugar-free version of this, yeah. and we've got another orange aid. But but our real challenge from a brand perspective now is that they're all so different. We somehow need to you know bring them all together under this under the same umbrella. So we're looking at that now and going. There's something nice about it though, because they, they look different, but they feel part of the same family. Yeah, you know, like once yeah. you've seen them once. You get the relationship. You know they're stuck yeah. together, but style. even though they don't look the same, there's something, yeah. there's something It's funny, it's that process of discovery and also that signal that mm-hmm. it's really quick. You go, oh yeah, that's one of those. So mm-hmm. something we need to think about there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think success of that in the next few years is just people know there's more of them. And, yeah. uh, and because of that, we can be in more places because it's not always easy to sell cola when... You know, one of the biggest brands in the world is dominates a lot of these places. So, giving other options helps. And also, like, so the other the other important thing is that the impact that we have as an organisation. So, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of try and measure ourselves by what we're doing with the growers we work with, the people in Sierra Leone. But we're also trying to extend that beyond where our cola comes from to where we get our ginger from in Sri Lanka, and to our customers here, to, you know, how do we support the people that are supporting us? So we're looking at extending the foundation into other areas, and that's quite exciting because we can do other projects that try and emulate what we're doing with cola, but in a different way. No, I I think it's really nice to see true purpose-driven brands kind of growing the way yours is growing, and, you know, I think over the last couple of years we've seen bigger brands try to almost pretend they have a stance on something and some of them doing it really yeah, well, yeah. some of them failing dramatically. Um, it's, I mean, it is a good opportunity for bigger brands. I mean, yeah. there are people with a lot larger footprint than us that could do an incredibly good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about uh, problems like 
clean water in Africa. You know, there are bottling companies that have access to this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there are ways of converting existing uh, infrastructure, you know, big companies to do more good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we think, you know, we, we're a much smaller kind of uh, organisation, but we like, I, th- I think as a model, you know, what we're trying to do is a good benchmark and we're trying to figure out how to influence others that way. And do you think these brands are looking at you? Do you think they're paying attention? Do you think you've made I think all and it's start to... Perhaps. I think you've got to be a certain size when, for people really to start taking attention. You know, there's a commercial aspect to this and that's about, you know, when you're generating enough revenue, people start worrying or going, wow. You know, and we, we're getting there, but it takes time. Um, and it takes a big following and our, our growth is, excuse the pun, quite organic. You know, there's something yeah. about our, our rate of growth in converting people that really is word of mouth really helps because uh, that's where the conviction comes from when someone says oh I've heard about these guys or I've tried this product they pass it on you're more likely to get that loyalty so we, you know, we're trying to push that a bit harder we'll do a bit more advertising we'll do we'll try and get more attention but when we're um, I suppose our marketing model is to create that word of mouth momentum it's um you know, you've got to push hard to get to that critical mass. I think, I mean, I think we're doing okay, but as a, you know, as an owner of a business, you always think you can do a bit yeah. better. Yeah. You've got a lot going on. It's obviously quite a mammoth task that you're taking on, and you have fingers in many pies. Mm-hmm. Personally, how do you kind of like balance between work and, and life? That's a good question. At the moment, there's a lot of work, <laughs> but I've moved here with my family, so that this is our kind of most biggest opportunity in a market in the UK, so it's been great being here for the last couple year and a half. Um, and that makes it much easier for me because I used to have to do quite a long commute. So that's great. And the, the family are loving it and being here is, being back here is, um, is making that balance much easier. Um, I think, you know, it's always a, an issue. I think making time to really be able to focus on the culture of the business as opposed to the commercial side of it is something that will always be a tension. Um, we're well aware of it and need to, you know, continually be thinking about if we're if we're purpose driven, are we really reflecting those values? Um, and I think that as we grow, it's going to become something we have to codify better. Um, you know, just having these conversations and like where I met you, Andrew, at the yeah. Impact Summit, seeing that there's a lot of companies like this that are kind of growing with these values and supporting each other is really heartening. Mm. And and I think you know, being able to promote that community of interest and, and participate in it is important for us and for everyone that works here. Yeah. That's interesting you were talking, I was doing a talk about culture the other mm. day and you know we're talking about whether you know you can engineer a culture or you know whether you need to let it grow organically and then look back and codify it. It's you know, funny that's a real challenge because I go yeah. as a person that's come out of graphic design and brand and stuff you go oh you design it and <laughs> everyone will use it yeah. <laughs> and then as someone who's done it a couple of times you go actually you've got to do it in order to know what to exactly. record yeah. Yeah. and it's all the tension for me has always been how much how far do you have to get before you go right that's it you know we're going to make that the DNA because mm-hmm. it's always evolving mm-hmm. especially now where there are so many channels so many different audiences so many ways of engaging and, and we have many layers to our story mm-hmm. you kind of you, it's hard to focus on the simplification mm-hmm. that this sort of thing that a, a brand will do you know it's trying to make the codification say here it is in 0.3 seconds yeah well wow. it's kind of when you think of culture reflecting that it's pretty hard to mm-hmm. to be that reductive but you still need a way in you still need to simplify yeah. that so I mean that's a constant process is going okay so 
do, do, are we still what we think we are? Mm-hmm. What, what is the difference? How do we improve that? Yeah. You know? often, often if new people come into the business, it creates something better than you ever imagined. Oh, it? yeah, like there's yeah. New ideas, there's new things, and then, it, you know, so you... And yeah, 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 and I mean, it's a personal thing. Right? I got to back off from that to let it happen. Yeah. At the same time, I want it to work. <laughs> so you got to. There's a, yeah, it's a balance, there. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. That's a really interesting. Mm. Um, I suppose um, you know maybe kind of having been a designer, mm-hmm. and, you know, in marketing, and you know having multiple businesses now. Where do you get your inspiration? So where does that come from? Where do you? Where do your ideas come from? When you know, you know. You know, when you're looking to do the next Look, product yeah, or yeah. The next thing. So or I've always travel. Like, just, you know, uh, I don't get to do as much of it as I used to, but I've always found that, you know, changing your context, whether it's just a different city, or is, is always kind of interesting because you kind of get out of your of what you're used to. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. Um, I think now just seeing my kids get older and where they're, who they're engaging with and the kind of lives they have. And when I used to think I knew what uh, younger culture was like and seeing how things are transforming so quickly, especially in a city like London, I kind of think there's a lot to know about who we're selling to you know, and who we're relevant to. So that's, that's kind of always a fascination now. I, I, I can't assume that I know everything about that and I really need to think uh, you know, carefully about who we're trying to work with. You know. yeah. um, and then just, you know, there's a bunch of great, examples of what we do out there mm-hmm. um, again being in a being in an environment like you know a city like this one um, and you know fortuitously I've been able to travel a little bit in you know in these big urban places like New York and here and you know it's, there's so much exciting new stuff happening we were just back from New York yeah we were saying that if, if you lived there for longer than a week you would be dead exactly you just <laughs> overload yeah yeah especially Scottish guys yeah. well, the, I mean that's the thing yeah exactly <laughs> but but it's kind of how to filter that now you go you know if I if I start look what I used to do when I was looking for inspiration is go to a bookshop yeah you know and I had a studio in Covent Garden I'd go down to Zwemers or somewhere I'd look at some design books now I go on Instagram and there's too much. Mm-hmm. So if anything, looking in the other directions, the, the key is like, where does what else is going on that isn't in that really kind of noisy environment? So, so earlier mm. on, you, you mentioned about you know maybe doing more advertising. I'm mm. interested to know you've got quite an active Instagram page mm. and following, and you know what do you find works best? For, for so the, the real, the fascinating thing for me is that I think our eye candy is the one. You know, if we. What I'm looking at at the moment, and I'll show you this in a minute to get your reaction, is like, how do we get into a kind of advertising world without being, without just pushing our purpose? Because it's like everyone's doing that. Everyone's like a, I mean, there's posters around here of fists and bottles and things that are kind of been our story, but it's the pictures that do it. You know, it's the kind of characters. I've got a shot that I'll show you of someone who's tattooed Lemmy there. That's when you know it's lemony. Yeah, you see the <laughs> tattoos. You know that's the feedback, <laughs> and it's not isolated. There's a few of them. So, so you know, seeing that that the the characters themselves in whatever poses, like uh, Gingerella. You know, we did a a thing for Prince Harry's wedding this time last year, where we did a ginger fella bottle. We've just done a thing with Wagamama's where we've made a lemongrass gingerella and, and made her, you know. A, a, redolent of that sort of thing and you know we've you know we've all we've got this opportunity to play with the characters and make them relevant for whatever the occasion yeah. is so 
um, you know, we we did a we've got a chili cola that we did with Oaxaca. Um, so so those things, they, you know, they work quite well because the simple characters can be animated. We can do a lot with them in the in social. And I th- I think there seems to be an interest in in comics now and yeah. and more, you know, two D, not photography. You know, simplified those little meme type mm-hmm. ideas. So, kind of exploring that. I think that that's a, a rich territory for us because of what we've got, and because we don't have to sort of shout about our purpose. It's there anyway. We should have permission to have fun on top of it. Yeah. And that's the thing we're trying to do: is go, okay, so we're good. We got that, and we will keep doing that. It's in our DNA. Yeah. How do we show? How do we really engage with people? Yeah, because you almost need that goodness purpose. And entertainment as well. Well, that's 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 hits the nail on the head. Uh That if you don't entertain people, you won't have their attention. Yeah. Like we could go buy us because we're good, Mm -hmm. and everyone go no way. Mm -hmm. I did not notice that, right? But if we can go, we like you. You know, it's that sort of meta Mm -hmm. thing where you know we're advertising to you. We know we're advertising you. Let's have some fun. Yeah. Let's give you something. You know. And that's where we're at. Is go. How do we actually make that something that everyone appreciates? And then we're being, I guess, generous by entertaining people mm-hmm. rather than demanding their attention because we think they should take notice of us. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Great. Great. <laughs> okay. So thanks for listening, everyone, and Simon. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Um, if you like what you're hearing and you want to support our podcast, please um, please rate and write us a review. Easy for me to say. Um, help us get the word out. Um, if you've been listening on Spotify or Google Podcasts, you can also watch the full version on YouTube. Um, we publish a new episode every last Monday of the month, um, so, so make sure you're subscribed. So see you next time. Thanks. Did you That's get good. it all? Right. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I yeah. could listen to you for ages. <laughs>